I'll just be like, Hey all you cool cats and kittens. I'm thinking I need a I need a drink. Like what kind of drink? Like, like an alcoholic beverage? I need maybe. Hmm. Maybe you should take some shots. What? Just kidding. How long is the episode today? Is it going to be like an hour or like 30 minutes? Mm, it's not like super duper short. But it's not super I would say it's an average. Long. It's going to be an average episode. Hmm. 30 to 45 minutes. After editing? No. That's probably before. Yeah, I'll be right back. Oh, okay, I'll wait here. Oh. What What beverage will you be partaking in this evening? It's a, a Corona Refresca. Refresca. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you say it? Am I saying it wrong? No. I, I've Refresh never had one. Refresca? 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 Let me see. I don't know. I've never it's had one. It's a premium spiked refresher. Refresca. Yeah, I would say refresca. Thank you. And the flavor is guava lime. Ooh, it's very low in calories. It's super delicious. Mmm. Comes in three tropical flavors. Passion fruit lime, guava lime, and coconut lime. Offers a crisp and flavorful taste. Well. I am having Diet Dr. Pepper. Mmm. In my green cup with sounds no ice. <laughs> that sounds fun. It's my everyday. Ooh. Ooh, that sounded crisp. <laughs> oh, did you hear that? Yes. <laughs> okay. Let's that was the most this. beautiful opening of a can I've ever heard. <laughs> you like that? Yeah. Should, they should pay me to open cans. They should. <laughs> Should be a can open model. <laughs> <laughs> Only they can't see me. <laughs> they just <laughs> the sound on the radio. Mm -hmm. Have a refresca. <laughs> oh. Okay, let's do this. I want to hear this. Oh, do you? Ooh, mm -hmm. what if I'm terrible at it? What if I get all the information wrong and the whole thing just just crumbles? No. It's possible. Never. We will push through. Hmm. Whatever you say. I'm glad you have complete faith in us. Until you, you until are. you read Apple reviews and then you lose faith in us. Nah. <laughs> okay. Ready? I'm ready. Okay. Welcome to Crime Shots. I'm Bree. And I'm Nikki. This case is out of Brazos County, Texas. Know where Brazos County is, Nikki? I do. I do. I know where Brazos County is. I was waiting for you. I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> you want me to continue? I just thought you were going to say something else, so I was just like waiting with anticipation of your next sentence. Um, well... College Station, Texas is in Brazos County. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Home of Texas A&M. Mm -hmm. You didn't do it. You normally do it. Oh, sorry. Whoop! Yep. 
We have. I know we've done something before involving yep, Brazos County. It seems to be mm-hmm. a trigger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's our trigger county. Pow, 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 pow. So yeah, so I, yeah, we've done something before. If you don't want to go mm-hmm. back and listen to our previous episodes, I highly recommend it. Listening to all fifteen of them. This makes 15? yeah. This makes our sixteenth episode. Wow. Go us. Woot, woot, woot. <laughs> I felt incomplete without that third woot. Anyway, so yeah, Brazos County. It's located in like east central Texas. It's central Texas. It's like east of the central. Okay. Okay. Right. Sure. Okay, so uh, this is the case of Virginia Ginger Bradford Freeman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Ginger was born September 6, 1941 in Gatesville, Texas. Gatesville is about 50 miles west of Waco. And if you're not familiar with Waco, it's about 100 miles north of Austin. Yeah. Or like northeast. Well, you know. It's northeast. Waco's north of... Brazos County, or Brian calls it. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So Ginger's parents were John Clinton Bradford and Ruth Bradford, and she was their only child. Obviously, she was known to her friends and family as Ginger. I think because it's because she had red hair, but it's kind of hard to tell in her photos because there's very little color, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying. But it does appear in some of them to be red. So I think that, whatever. Anyway. Ginger grew up in Gatesville and graduated from Gatesville High School in 1960, then attended Baylor University and graduated from there in 1964. She then taught homemaking in the Troy school system in 1964 while living in Gatesville, which is where she met Charles Freeman. You keeping up with me so far? Mm Mm-hmm. So, Charles was born December 7th, 1941 in Crockett, Texas, which is actually like 150 miles east of Gatesville. And he grew up in Rosebud, which is basically like the halfway point between Gatesville and College Station. Right? So, it's everything's happening in this like little area. Mm-hmm. So, Charles graduated from Texas A&M University. Whoop. with a degree in electrical engineering. Ginger and Charles were married on August 29th, 1964 in Gatesville. And while Charles was serving as a captain in the U.S. Air Force, they resided in North Dakota, where Charles received a Master of Science degree from the University of North Dakota. So they moved back to College Station in 1970, where they had two children, Brad Freeman and Betsy Freeman. Betsy. Brad and Betsy. <laughs> Listen, I did the exact same thing when I was reading this. I was like, oh, Betsy. <laughs> Would you name your kid Betsy? Well, not now, but I'm sure <laughs> in the day there are people named Betsy, so. I know, it doesn't Betsy just sounds like my grandma. Like, that's it's not like my a, grandma's name, but I'm just saying that sounds like somebody, somebody's grandma. It's like a, like a Pearl or a Barbara. Oh. 
Yeah. That's a perfect example. Ginger was a member of the First Baptist Church of College Station, where she taught Sunday school and was active in the church's discovery program. She served on the College Station Independent School District's Vocational Advisory Council, and she ha- she was a leader in, of the Girl Scouts and Cub Scout programs. Hmm. So, Ginger was also a realtor. Where she found the time, I just don't know. I have no idea. I don't know how we find the time to record these episodes. I like saying, like, all the stuff she was involved in voluntarily first, and then be like, oh, yeah, by the way, she also had a job. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, on December 1st, 1981, Ginger got a call around 3 p.m. from a man that wanted to see a property that the agency had listed. So, a side note, this person did not ask for Ginger, She was just who picked up the call in rotation. Mm. Okay. He never said who he was. Just he said that he wanted to see the property and he had $73,000 cash. Sketchy. Yeah, sketchy. However, for a realtor, this is like gold. Well, yeah, but... Somebody that has cash, you know? There's... There are problems with people. Sorry if you do this and you're listening. But there's a problem with you if you carry $70,000 in cash. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean... That that could be a problem. So anyway. So yeah, so she gets the call and she's like, she's pumped, right? She's like, this is going to be an easy sale. He has cash. He already knows that he has a specific property that he wants to see which means he's already pretty probably pretty familiar with it so this is going to be cakewalk right Mm -hmm. so ginger calls her husband to let him know that she's going to go show a property and that she needed to postpone dinner with him and some friends this the house that she was going to show him is located in like a rural area well it was at the time Mm -hmm. it's very secluded it has overgrown trees all around it so it's It's not easily seen from the road. The house isn't. It's been annexed now, but it was out on Greens Prairie Road. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a subdivision there now called Wood Lake. Okay. So the house that she was going to show is at the entrance of that subdivision. Mm. Is Is the house still there? Yes. (gasps) It is? Yeah. Oh. And I looked at there's a ton of houses down that way, a ton mm-hmm. of apartment complexes, there's right. a ton of duplexes, everything down there. And you can definitely tell which house has been there since at least 1981, if you know what I mean. Gotcha. Yeah. So, Ginger's super excited, and she she's pumped. So, she leaves, she stops by our house, and she tells her kids, you know, hey, I'm going to go show this house, so I'm going to be a little bit late, Go ahead and start getting ready for dinner, um, but we're going to leave later than planned. Her kids, Brad is 11 at this time, and Betsy is 14. So she stops by and is like, go ahead and start getting ready for dinner. We're gonna, I'm going to be later, but as soon as I get back, we're going to go, right? Mm-hmm. So Ginger heads to Green's Prairie in her white 1981 Chevrolet station wagon. Hmm. Prepared to make a $73,000 sale on a house. So, 6 p.m. rolls around. 
And Ginger still hasn't shown up to attend the party. Were you expecting that? Or was that a that was that a surprise? No. No. <laughs> this is crime shots. I thought I was gonna shock you. Dang it. So Charles, Ginger's husband, start he starts getting concerned because it's starting to get dark and it's not like her to not let them know what's going on or for her to be so late without notice, right? So Charles calls the real estate office and is like, hey, have y'all heard from her? Has she been back up there? What's going on? Her colleagues at the real estate office say that they hadn't seen her since she left to show the house on Greens Prairie Road. Mm-hmm. They told Charles that a man with a country accent in Brazos County? No. <laughs> that narrows it down. <laughs> I mean, we're going we're gonna to spot you in a lineup, I bet. I don't know anyone with an accent. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. So a man with a country accent called just before 3 p.m. And she left to show the house and she hadn't been back since. So, what do you do when cell phones are not a common thing? Your wife... Is at a home that is unoccupied with the person that she nor anyone else knows and hasn't been in contact with anyone for at least three to four hours. You go to the home. There you go. So Charles and a friend of his decide they're just going to go out to this house and see what's up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they pull up to the property, property and immediately see Ginger Station Wagon. Well, of course. Right? They get That's out. Where she was killed. <gasps> How'd you know? <laughs> so, they get out and find Ginger's body in the yard behind the house. <gasps> oh, see, now that's the details. Mm-hmm. It's the details. I didn't know that. Yeah. She was partially clothed, and it appeared that there had been some sort of a struggle, and she may have been beaten. That's what they notice right off the bat. So, after investigators gather their evidence and an autopsy is performed, it's determined that Ginger was probably attacked right when she arrived at the property. The autopsy would show that she died around 3.30 p.m. Just 30 minutes after she left the office. And the house that she was showing was still locked. So they didn't even, I mean, she literally got there and this happened. Right. So the autopsy showed that she'd been struck across the head multiple times with a blunt instrument, possibly a large rock or piece of concrete. Hmm. She had been stabbed in the neck 11 times and strangled to the point that it actually broke her neck bone. Wow. That's so sad. She was just trying to show somebody a house. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. The ground around her body had like scrapes and stuff, which indicated that there was a struggle and she fought. They did collect cigarette butts and documented a footprint from the crime scene, and they retrieved DNA from under her fingernails, which were stored because this is 1981. Right. DNA analysis wasn't advanced yet. And. Mm-hmm. I'll, just because I didn't know this, so I looked it up. It wasn't. It wasn't until 1984 that the first crime was solved using DNA. Ooh, 
1984 was a good year. Mm-hmm. So, investigators at the time, in 1981, they're just kind of left with asking around. Right. So, Did they talked to neighbors, somebody? they talked to businesses right. in the area, see if they had seen anything, and they get nothing. I mean, there's a few people that tell them that they saw a person in the area that they had never seen before, but really investigators can't really go too much off of that because I mean, passerbys happen a lot, probably. Right. So over the next two decades, investigators followed countless leads with each suspect being cleared. At one point, they even considered Ginger's husband, Charles, as a possible suspect, but he was also cleared. So, just interesting little tidbit. Some of the suspects included Jerome Cruz, who had been in trouble for passing counterfeit checks to real estate agents. Oh. Mm-hmm. Timothy Keim, who was accused of killing a real estate agent in Beaumont. Mm-hmm. Coral Watts, who was a confessed murderer in the Houston-Galveston area. And the serial killer Henry Lee Lucas, who is claimed to have killed more than 100 women in like 17 different states. Mm. But all of them were cleared. Ultimately, the case goes cold. Of course. Isn't that sad? That's so sad. So, in 2000... Texas Ranger Frank, <laughs> here we go with Bree not being able to pronounce words, um, <laughs> Mullinac. Spell it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're going to tell me I said it wrong. <laughs> okay. It's M-A-L-I-N- a K. Mullinac. <laughs> <laughs> like you're so sure of yourself. How would you say it? I don't. We're gonna don't call know. him. We're gonna call him Frank. Hey, Frank. <laughs> so Frank began mm-hmm. working on the case as part of his cold case program. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like he picked it out of a lineup. He had several that he was working on. If you don't know what the Texas Rangers are, they are Texas's State Bureau of Investigation that exists within the Department of Public Safety. So it's a state-level detective agency. Mm-hmm. So like you have, the Georgia has the GBI, Colorado has the right. CBI, Louisiana mm-hmm. has Louisiana State Police. We have Texas Rangers. And they're better than yours. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird because, like, most of the agencies are called the Bureau of Criminal Investigations, but the Rangers were kind of created by, like, Stephen F. Austin in 1823, Mm -hmm. which originally protected the Texas-Mexico border. And then in 1935, it became part of Texas DPS to fulfill the role of the State's Bureau of Investigations. A little side note, in case anyone was wondering. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. 
Anyways, so Frank, the Texas Ranger, starts his investigation from square one. Like, as if nothing has happened. Right? Right. He even goes back to the original crime scene to visualize. Obviously, nothing's there and the house has been updated. Right. It's a little different. A little bit. They actually place the DNA samples into the national database, which compare... It'll compare to any previous offenders as well as new ones. He also filled out a detailed profile about the murder and entered it into the National Crime Database, which means each time a similar crime is committed anywhere in the country, local authorities are notified to compare their unsolved case with the new one. Mm-hmm. In April of 2017, National Geographic Explorer wanted to do a segment on Ginger's case. So, they actually paid to have the DNA collected, analyzed, through the program Snapshot DNA. Mm -hmm. And they spent $3,600 to do that in exchange for permission to make a documentary about the investigation. Hmm. In case you're wondering what Snapshot DNA is, basically it predicts the physical appearance from DNA. So it can provide information about an individual, like an unknown individual, like skin color, hair color, eye color, freckles, anything. Right. They can do like a broad sketch of the person they think carries that DNA. Right. It's called, again, with my pronunciation, (laughs) phenotyping. Okay. Okay. That's what it's called. So, um... (laughs) You're like, I'm not spilling anything anymore. Nope. Okay. So, on their website, it's Snapshot DNA. There's like five cases listed on their front page that have been solved using this technology. Oh, okay. Right. So, they actually did the episode and it aired in June of 2017 on National Geographic. I didn't see it because... I'm not paying three dollars to watch it. Three dollars. <laughs> I'm sure it was amazing. I'm sure it was just out of this world. Anyway, so they were actually able to come up with three composite sketches: 25 years old, at 45 years old, and at 70 years old. This was fascinating. Yeah, I did see the sketches. It was pretty remarkable. So, in 2018, the DNA was run through GED Match. If you're not familiar with GED Match, it's a DNA and genealogy research program, most famously known for aiding and identifying the Golden State Killer. Mm -hmm. But it's been used in at least 59 cold case arrests. So, a lot of people use it for ancestry reasons, like to find out if they have any relatives out there or a lot of people get you know if they're gonna develop diabetes or if they're at high risk of this or whatever so that's what that is so in 2018 they did that so when they ran the dna from under ginger's fingernails Mm -hmm. they got a hit 
They found two relatives of the possible killer. I think they were like second cousins. So basically what happened is they follow this family tree of these two people. And they follow the family tree down to a man named James Odo Earhart. Earhart. No. Okay. It's E-A-R-H-A-R-T. It's Earhart. Okay, go ahead. I'm going to say Earhart. Okay. How you say his name is really not important. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So they look him up. James (laughs) was convicted of murdering nine-year-old Candy Kirtland on May 22nd of 1987. Mm, Does not look good for you. (laughs) Candy had been abducted from her home after being dropped off the school bus at 3210 Deer Trail Road just nine miles from Greens Prairie. Mm. But James was executed in 1999 for Candy's murder. So what do we do? What do we do? We dig him up. We dig him up. Yes, James's body was exhumed for DNA testing and his son voluntarily gave DNA samples as well. Mm. And it matched. And it matched. So, on June 25th, 2018 36 years after her murder James was named Ginger's killer reports say that his DNA places him as a possible suspect in at least one other unsolved murder isn't that crazy that is crazy 36 years Mm -hmm. it's insane so Ginger's husband, Charles, he eventually remarried, and they had several grandchildren, but he actually passed away in 2007 before Ginger's case was solved. Oh, But he was laid to rest next to Ginger in Gatesville. Mm. I don't think I heard that they found who did that. Mm-hmm. Well, it just happened in uh, 2018. Okay, that was two years ago. <laughs> So, I'm just surprised that I haven't heard that yet. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Wow. And I think a lot of people suspected that guy, didn't they? Mm. It's possible, but um, like I said, they... I mean, they had a ton of different suspects that they had questioned and done everything that they could, but without evidence, they couldn't... They couldn't do anything. But they obviously didn't have enough on him at all. Otherwise, they w- could have got his DNA back then. Well, they couldn't have matched it anyway. They didn't have the technology yet. Right. But, yeah. Cool. I mean, not, obviously not. And there short. there were reports. I didn't put this um, in the autopsy because there's several different reports that say she was pos- possibly sexually assaulted, but... You didn't put this... You just said... I, I didn't put this in the autopsy. Yeah. Like in the... When I was reading you the autopsy portion. Oh. Uh, yeah. I didn't put that in there. But, but... And here's why. Because there were several things... Several. 
that said that she was sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. But every actual autopsy report that I read did not say that. Really? So... Did they just not put it in there, like, in the 80s or something? No, I feel like she wasn't. Oh. Because they they said that that she died at 3.30. So she would have had to have been killed immediately when she arrived at that house. How accurate are they, though? Really? I mean, now I can see that they're pretty accurate and they can get down to the minute. But in the 80s, I don't know. I don't know. They just, I don't know. know. The, The reports just made it seem like she fought so hard. I feel like it. He was just like, screw this. And. Yeah, she was stabbed 11 times in her neck. Yeah. And then strangled so hard it broke her bone. Like her neck bone. Mm. So, I don't I don't feel like I feel like that was an assumption because she was partially clothed. Right. And I feel like that could happen just out of struggle. Well, I'm glad that they That's awesome that they figured it out with DNA. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And it's also awesome that he was caught after murdering the nine-year-old. Oh, God. And it didn't continue on for several years. For 36 years, you know? Right. So, yeah. And I wasn't gonna... I wasn't even gonna talk about the nine-year-old. Because I was like, well, we can do an episode on her later. But I don't know if I could. I don't. Uh, mm. It's just really hard to do kids. It's. I mean, it's hard to do anybody, but kids just get me. Because kids are pretty rough. From what I read, she was like she just got off the school bus and he picked her up in her driveway in Brazos County, Texas. Mm-hmm. It could happen anywhere. I know. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. You're always like, I live in a safe little town. Well, it happens everywhere. It does. It does happen everywhere. Absolutely. So, and that's a nice area out there, Greens Prairie. Yeah, it's nice. It's really nice out there. I know I've been out there a couple of times. So they, I, I, I go there all the time. Well, they, um, they're constantly building new stuff out there too. Oh, for real! It's ex- it's 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 just expanded mm-hmm. rapidly, and it's also very expensive, which is why. Well, it's really not. It, Depends on where, like, Green's Prairie is really Okay, not. it's not to you, but I'm poor, and it's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, this is a good case. I'm glad that you did that, because I've heard about that mm-hmm. for many years. But I also felt like we needed, we needed, we needed a solved case. Yeah. It always feels good when something gets solved. And I felt like it was important because this one was cold case for 36 years. Yeah. It's amazing what DNA can do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've done that with the... Well, I've gifted it to people. that We, we did the 23andMe. Yeah. So... And I think... I think we've talked about it before. It's I think it's difficult for people to get for like authorities to get access to the to the DNA. Yeah. 
I don't think it's just easy peasy jack. Well, right, and I think because you have to like consent to give your DNA, mm -hmm. and if you don't, you know, say you give the cop the twenty three and Me your DNA, but you didn't give it to the cops. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I can see where that causes a whole bunch of paperwork. Yeah. I mean, from what it sounded like on this, they they found, like, two second cousins of this guy. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. But. Oh, good. I mean, it could That's be, good. like, a whole conspiracy. The, the country, the FBI, could have just put the whole DNA thing together to get people to, you know, think it's, like, this cool thing to find out, you know, the history of your ancestry. And really, they're just trying to get everybody's DNA so they can track stuff like this all the time. Okay, crazy person. <laughs> just saying, don't underestimate them. They know what they're doing. And I have full respect for you as well, if you are listening. She didn't mean it. <laughs> she didn't mean it. <laughs> yeah. So, that's that. All right. Sounds good. Did you hear that? They, oh, there was a, somebody else that they caught recently. No, never mind. They haven't caught him. They think there's a serial killer in Houston. Have you heard about this? Oh yes, 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 yes. Oh yeah. I did hear about that. And nothing. Yeah, I'm just saying for all of our listeners, all our shooters out there. I'm, I'm giving you those that name right now. I'm gonna. I, I'm following it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna solve it. I'm gonna figure out who the serial killer. Is. <laughs> She's an internet sleuth. She will find it. Mm-hmm. Don't think I won't. I'll figure it out. And then I'll do an episode about it. Or when somebody else figures it out, I'll do an episode about it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, just. Um, stay away from strangers. Don't get in people's vehicles. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a possible serial killer on the loose, so, uh, actually, I was, when I was reading about Ginger, they actually put in, they implemented in place, um, new processes for real estate agents. If you want to view a house, you have to actually go to the real estate office and you have to provide copies of your driver's license and whatnot now. Before they'll actually show you a house. I don't know that everybody practices that. This particular, but... this particular agency implemented it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is probably a good idea. And I think... Well, I think real estate agents should not go show a house alone. Maybe you should take people with you. In Texas... Like it should, yeah. In Texas, you should be a licensed carry. No, I mean, I agree. Mm-hmm. Carry a weapon, ladies. Protect yourself. <laughs> we do. All right. Good episode. Okay. On to the next. Here we go.